0: Hi, welcome, everybody, to another episode of ATP. Today, we got a pretty big episode. We have an interview with a good buddy of mine named Walt. We talk a little bit about entrepreneurship, mindset, um, going to his business a little bit, etc. Um, along with that, we have our segment of the week. I am once again joined by my co host, Dorian Fellino, good old Doro. With that said, today is sponsored by our new sponsor, Prevolve. Prevolve is a Seattle-based technology startup whose mission is to empower the human body. Using 3D foot scanning and 3D printing, they make custom-fit footwear designed for your feet. You can finally get a pair of shoes that fit perfectly. Visit the website at www.prevolve.com. There you can schedule a foot scan, learn more about the story of Prevolve, and even download 3D shoe models if you'd like to print 3D for, excuse me, if you'd like to 3D print them for yourself. There we go. So the guy who owns this is actually a former soccer teammate and high school classmate of mine. His name is Ollie. Awesome guy. Check out his stuff it's It's actually crazy. They do they fully scan your foot. they customize the shoe literally to the contour of your foot cleat same thing. Um, it's crazy, it's crazy cool what he does. but how you doing today, man? How's it, How's? Everything? How's life?
1: I am doing great, you know uh, can't complain. Uh, the sun is out and uh, I'm still here, so let's jump into it. There you go, man. There you go. So, you know, the
0: interview that I had today got me contemplating a little bit. And something I want to just like go right into with you was adulthood, right? Was I I was thinking about like, what was the moment where you finally felt like you were an adult? Because that, that could be career, that could be anything. Like, what was the one day where you just like sat down and you were like, okay, I'm here. I've made it.
1: You know, uh, I, I think that is a really interesting question because there's so many times and aspects in your life where, you know, you feel like you've been an adult for all this time and then it's like, wait a minute, now I feel like I've finally made it. So I feel like that, that question, you know, depending on who you ask, you, you get a different answer for. Um, I'd have to say the... I mean, in disclaimer here, there, there are times still where I, I still to this day don't feel like an adult sometimes. Like I have no clue what I'm doing with taxes until I figure this out. (laughs) Am I truly, you know, an adult? Um, but I'd say probably the first time for me was, um, moving out uh, into my own place for college. Um, you know, I, I decided to go to U of O, um, a little bit later than most, I was pretty last second to make that decision. So I never lived in the dorms.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: And, uh, you know, I spent my first summer while I was planning to go to school, I actually went down for the, you know, quote unquote introduction, which is just the, you know, welcome freshman seminar. Uh, I ended up spending most of that trip actually going and scouting out and looking for apartments. Nice, Uh, okay. Yeah, I I met a guy at Introduction um, who ended up becoming a, a roommate of mine, my first roommate before, you know, I ended up moving in, in into our fraternity later my freshman year. But just that whole process and kind of taking that on alone and, and finding all of that. And then, uh, you know, I also got down a month, pretty much a month before the rest of the freshmen move in because my lease started in September. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And at that point I was driving. So, you know, I pretty much just, took off from home a little earlier, went down, started like having to deal with apartment stuff, you know, had to get insurance for the apartment, had to go and buy all of our supplies, had to go and buy furniture. So that was probably the first time I truly felt like an adult just because I didn't have my parents around to help out with that stuff. Mm -hmm. And and at that point, you know, in high school, I was doing my own um, dishes. I was doing my own laundry. My mom wasn't going to let me uh, skate by uh, yeah. through high school. So that
2: yeah. part of
1: life I was already kind of prepped for, but really kind of getting down there and having to, uh, you know, make those big decisions yourself and, and kind of figure that stuff out without anybody there to help you. I, I'd say it was the first time I think I felt like an adult. So I did not know that you were there a month earlier than everybody else our freshman year.
0: So that's interesting. That, so you actually, you got a chance to really live it up a little bit and like spend time in Eugene while we were all sitting still at home waiting to come down.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, I was exploring, Eugene, uh, figuring out which part of town was going to be the best to live in. Uh, you know, I ended up over in Ducks Village, and, um, okay. you know, that's across the river from the school. So I had to make sure I had a bike and could make it because all my classes started at 8 a.m. freshman year. Yep, yep. Dude,
0: you know, so it's crazy that you say that you feel like you were an adult when you started college because I – I did not feel like an adult until I got out of school. Matter of fact, like I think the first day it kind of hit me. I'm I might have been like 24, 25 years old. Like I legitimately was a quarter of the way through my life before I'm like, oh right, like I I true I'm an adult. I'm there. But it was like I think for me it was when I started taking my career like a little bit more seriously, right? Like I I started like pushing towards going into management roles at 24 Hour Fitness. I started like really focusing and driving on what I was doing day to day. I stopped partying as much consistently. I think for me it was like a it was a mindset of like how I allocated my time, right? And especially I think it was like the decision making portions of it for me. Um Yeah, and I think that's another thing too though, is that like I feel like it changes constantly. You, you said it earlier, it feels like it changes day to day, especially like you factor career into it as well, man. Like, I don't know about you, but there's like times where, where like, I know what I want to do going forward as far as career wise. Like I like, I know what I I'm passionate about, but at the same time, I feel like there's been so many different days, so many different hours, so many different times where I'm like, okay, that, this is thrown a complete wrench into what I had previously we planned right
1: right and and, you know and to your point i i think kind of the the common factor there for both of us and and granted you know i think who you ask this question will have a completely different meaning Mm -hmm. um but i think you know truly you feel like an adult when you're making decisions for yourself and you know your action your your consequences you know are a result of your actions and and those are all yours alone. And that that's completely on you. And I think that's kind of when you really start feeling like an adult.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly, man. And that, and the reason I bring this up and I'm glad we were talking about this because like we, so in the interview today with Walt, we talk about entrepreneurship and and starting your own business. And I've actually had this, um, this conversation with multiple people now where we talk more and more about like, okay, Dedicating yourself to a specific goal in mind, right? Um, internalizing it, but not getting fixated on the path to get there. I think that's a really important part about like the day that I realized, I think for me, the day that I realized that I have a goal in mind, I'm going to set that goal, but I'm not going to cons- over-concern myself with the specifics of how I'm going to get there, Right like letting the path kind of be malleable, that was the day I finally felt like I was more in control of my life than ever. So I think that was really my like adult moment.
1: You know, that, that's really interesting you say that. Um, you know, for me, I, I work with um, clients on, on project management. So I'm a lot of times um, kind of setting expectations and kind of mm-hmm. driving the project forward. And that's one of the number one things that I would say every single time and I have to go over with clients. It's, you know, what is your goal? I don't want to hear the path to get there. I don't want to hear your solution and your fix to this. Tell me what your goal is and let's solve to your goal. I don't need your specific solution. That's what you have me for, to come up with the solution, to come up with the path to get there. What's the goal? That's the true important focus, not the path. Exactly. I think that's really really interesting that you say that.
0: Yeah, I mean when you talk to the more and more that i talk to different entrepreneurs no matter like what they're doing right the common factor that i find with most of them is that they decided to do something they had like an image in their mind at first of what they were going to
2: accomplish
0: but they stopped fixating themselves on like the minutiae of everything that they were doing and just let their day to day actions kind of create and form what they had going forward. And I think that like, I'm not trying to sit here and poo poo, like, you know, putting together structure for anything. Right. Like we need, we need certain structures to get things done. Right. Like right. there things require planning, but at the same time, like if you, If you focus so much on a goal and how you're getting there and, you know, let's take, go ahead and take entrepreneurship or like you're opening up your own business. Let's say you have this model in mind where you're going to sell this product, but along that path, you start straying away and it takes a very different direction. You can either decide that's a good, you know what? It's still taking me to my end goal. That direction is still taking me where I want to be and I'm going to go with it. Or you can get angry at the fact that it isn't following exactly what you had planned and what you had in mind, and I just don't think it's worth it's worth putting yourself through that type of stress, through that type of mentality where you you lose the focus on the end game, the end goal.
1: no, I, I completely agree because you, you always need to circle back to your why what, you know what is what is the result I'm hoping that this this drives right that this action is driving? And and for me personally, what I like to do um, is also have kind of milestones to reach that goal, right? Where mm-hmm. you're not just, right? Because sometimes your goals are going to be big and it's going to be lofty and it's going to feel like you're not getting anywhere. If, you, if you're you kind of like, I'm at square A, I want to get to B, everything between A and B feels like no progress. So when you have kind of smaller milestones that you know are building towards that goal, I feel like that really helps too, because then you get those little wins along the way.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, man. So actually Dora, this got me thinking you, so you work for a company. Have mm-hmm. would you ever consider going into private business or becoming an entrepreneur yourself?
1: Definitely. Um, most definitely. And I, I would say that's honestly um, the end goal. I think for me personally, I, it took me a while to figure out um, kind of in, in a career what I wanted to do and what I was interested in doing and kind of what I was good at and, where did all of those things converge into what's kind of my path, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think in my current job, I, I've kind of found something um, that for the most part I do enjoy that I, that I am really good at and I am passionate about. Uh, but for me, this is just a learning opportunity to go and start my own thing, you know? Um, yeah. I would hate to start from the ground and learn all the mistakes with my capital. Yeah. Why not do that with, you know, another company who's getting what they can out of me. I'm getting what I can out of them. Yeah, you yeah. Know, for the end result to be able to go and start something on my own and kind of know that process and how everything works, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's not like the company is losing out on having
1: you work for them, right? It's like it's a mutually beneficial. We're we're all gaining. Yeah, it's mutually exactly. beneficial. I'm learning. Uh, they're getting. You know, they're getting me. So, yeah,
0: exactly. So you do want to go out on your own and do your own thing. So, like, what do you want to do? Like, have you even thought about it? Are there any ideas that pop up?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I think the the easiest thing to say, and it's and it's hard to drive, you know, specifically with the climate right now, and and how this is going to probably change a a lot of industries in a lot of different ways. You know, mm-hmm. COVID kind of makes you you take pause and, and kind of consider what what that landscape's going to look like, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, we we're we're doing a podcast now, so like, there you go. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> there you go you know i think the first and easiest thing for me if i was going to you know um branch out and work for myself uh and kind of get get through that get to that point faster before having a full plan would be uh consulting you know okay
0: okay that's i mean i guess i haven't i don't really know much about like the world of consulting besides just the the face value of it right i wouldn't know like much of the minutia of like okay like what are are you just going to be freelancing, like hiring, consulting for every, everybody who essentially be looking for your specific business, et cetera. Is that what you're looking for?
1: And it's all based on industry, right. And kind of what you're doing consulting wise and what the scope of a project is, right. You might come like for me personally. So what I do is I do project management um, Mm -hmm. and I'm in management within project management. So I do a lot of process creation. Um, Mm -hmm. I do a lot of metrics and metric tracking. And oddly enough, uh, tracking towards goals. Um, there, you go. there you go. So for me, you know, um and I, I work in um an in online industry, SaaS, um, software as a service. So that's a pretty big industry, right? Like any any company that uses software that that's online um essentially is probably working with the SaaS company. So it it works with within a lot of different industries um, and there's a lot of different ways you can really take it. So I've, I've never, I'm not yet at this point sat down and specified what kind of I would be the most passionate about, mm-hmm. but yeah, the general moving on to your own would be consulting and kind of um, probably for me personally looking into a couple of different industries and, and to see which one I enjoy the most.
0: There you go. Fuck yeah, man. I'm excited to see what happens. So we're going to take that opportunity and segue into the interview with Walt. I'm super excited about this interview. He is actually a former coworker of mine, but the dude does so many different things. Um, and you'll, we'll hear from him in a second. But before we go into the interview, we are going to go into an ad. And this interview is going to be sponsored by ESR Embroidery. This is the return of ESR. Once again, are you looking for custom apparel for growing your business? Are you looking to make personalized logo for you, your team, or just want some custom swag for yourself? Well, come to ESR Embroidery for all your personalized apparel. We're talking shirts, hats, hoodies, the works. Built on ingenuitive designs and detailed work, You'll be able to bring the design you've always been looking for alive at ESR. Find them on Instagram at ESR Embroidery for personalized inquiries or on Etsy for other work. All right, let's take it into the interview. So I am here with Walter Chambers, my man Walt, owner and proprietor of Walt Workout. The guy does. God, you do so many things. It's actually nuts.
2: You are a personal
0: (laughs) trainer. You are a DJ. Um, I know you got your degree from New Jersey Institute of Technology. Um, I mean, you blog. You, I mean, just, you know what? I'm going to let you take it away, Walt. Tell everybody (laughs) a little bit about yourself, man.
2: Hey, I appreciate everything, Leko, man. Um, Thank you for getting me on the show. This is actually my first podcast ever. Nice. Um, and I'm honored to, you know, be able to kinda give my insight and tell my story. So, um I mean you hit basically everything for the most part.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
2: Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, man. Um yeah. you know, I started up Walt Workout as a way to kinda combine um everything as far as my interests, um, my passions and ways that I can influence and inspire people. So um besides that, you know, uh you know, Walt workout was that big foundation but in order for me to get there, I had to start with um you know, fitness. You know, fitness was that yeah. first thing for me that yeah. made me follow my passion. So, um you know, personal training was that first thing. Mm-hmm. Then um it went to building more self-confidence and the way I did that was through modeling. Um, yeah, yeah. I really, did touch
0: on that. Yeah. 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 I about to say, I forgot, forgot maybe the most important part. I mean, my dude's a model as well. <laughs> like look at this guy over here. I'm about to say people on the video, you can see his smile. Look at that
2: smile. <laughs> it's permanently implanted on my face. I don't know how to turn it off. I don't know. <laughs> there you
0: go, man. There you go. But yeah, you do, you do so many things. And I think mm-hmm. like the reason that I really wanted to bring you on the show today was to, to talk about that entrepreneurial mindset. Right. Um, because you just like everybody else, man, like you, you went through school, like you had a lot of the same beginnings as so many different people. But at one mm-hmm. point when the fork in the road came, you were like, no, I am going to dig deep and push forward to build up my own brand my own business. I'm going to try and build up what I want to do and make it my own thing. And I think that's a really, it's a really intimidating thing for a lot of people to Absolutely. go through. And so I want to know a bit about like, what was that mindset that you had? What was that deciding factor about going to be an entrepreneur for you?
2: Um, well, that's a great question. Um, mindset shifted. Mm. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life for, I'd say, the first 18 years. (laughs) I was a gamer. Um, I'd say I was addicted to video games. It was my outlet to spark my creativity and my imagination. I've always been a visionary, but I just could not see that far into the future as far as what I was doing. So I was settling for a long period of time of, well, if this is all that I'm doing, then I guess I'll just be a video game programmer and just program video games, play video games the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. But it took that one moment where I had a great buddy of mine, Christopher Griffin, um, who started up his own nutrition company called Griffey organics. He called me and said, Hey, I have a business opportunity for you Mm -hmm. and I didn't know anything about business, like nothing. I'm like, hey, you make money. That's it. (laughs) There you go. But he introduced me to the value of nutrition and the impact that you can make on, uh, you know, lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So he, him and I started up our own independent business where we were um, basically buying supplements in bulk and educating people on their supplementation. Mm -hmm. Then from there, it built into building a team, um, a team of people. So in a way I kind of was thrown into this whole business entrepreneurship lifestyle by just taking action. Mm -hmm. And just by taking action, my mindset shifted from being this, stuck in this kind of like imaginary world that you just get thrown into when you get engulfed into another reality like in gaming to really honing in on the actual you know real world and really focusing on you know how much you can actually impact and change people's lives so yeah yeah that was the first moment for me that really gave me clarity into what I can do and my overall potential um, that I have.
0: Absolutely, man. And so now, I mean, you have thousands of followers on Instagram. You have your own website. So with that being said, man, what day-to-day drives you going forward? Like what what do you say to yourself when you wake up every morning and you're just like, all right, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to hit it.
2: Gratitude. Gratitude, man. That's, that's the first thing I think of is that when I open my eyes, I'm doing something that other people might not be able to do. You know, mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. see, you know, that's yeah. the first thing I I, I engulf myself because I had bad vision growing up. I had to wear glasses everywhere and I refused to wear it because of mm-hmm. the social, <laughs> you know, the social perception. <laughs> yeah, the stigma, <laughs> the stigma. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I just look out my window and I could see clearly because I had eye surgery. Mm. So that's the first thing I do is I fill my heart with gratitude. I open the window, I open up the blinds, I look outside and I'm like, wow, the world is beautiful. I'm in this beautiful world. And not only that is I have another day that I can impact and change people's lives. Yes. And even the smallest way of just making somebody smile, Yep, yep. It, it's yeah. that simple. And that's what keeps me going, man. It's just that first hour of my day is when I just focus in, hone in, and just fill my heart with as much gratitude as I possibly can so that I can give it off. Absolutely.
0: So. You actually, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, you posted something the other day on Instagram on your uh, actual story. And it was a clip. And I, this clip really resonated with me about gratitude. And it was, I, I don't know the names of either of the gentlemen speaking, but the guy's story was really simple. It was he was sitting there with a friend, and his friend asked him very simple question, what are you what are you thankful for? And the guy was like jack shit, nothing, like fuck my life, etc. And mm-hmm. then in walks, like in the most ironic and you know, substantial moment to cancer patient survivors, you know, people who are currently going through chemo and they give him the most like friendly smile and just look like they're th- truly enjoying life. And his friend turns to him and says, seriously, you can't be thankful for one thing after mm-hmm. seeing that. And that actually, that caused me to sit down and like just watching that clip made me sit down and write a list of things that I was thankful for right there. It resonated with me that much. So exactly. I know you probably love hearing that where like you, you had an effect on somebody so strongly where now I like take time during my day to make sure that I remind myself my own gratitude.
2: That's a blessing. Yeah. Blessing.
0: Yeah, man. As I, I just want to give you a a quick, once again, a shout out for the fact that what you have done, you know, social media, a lot of people talk bad things about social media. Mm -hmm. I think that this is one of those moments where it was inspiring to see how great social media can be. Um, mentally, even for me and for others, hopefully too, uh, especially in a time where man, it's tough to have some gratitude every morning.
2: Oh yeah. Um, just to kind of circle back that person was Ed Milet and he has been a significant part in finding my, my inner inspiration. Mm -hmm. Um, he motivated me to kind of shift my mindset towards positivity Mm -hmm. to almost deflect any negativity in the outside world that is trying to come into my inside world. Mm -hmm. So the fact that, you know, sharing something that to me was just something I listened to consistently, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: the fact that you, you, you saw it, you took the time, not only that you took the time to actually look at it, Mm -hmm. but you watched the whole video and you took action, you applied the whole purpose of that whole video, which was to practice thankfulness and gratitude. So that means so much to me, man. Like that is yeah, why nice. I use social media as that outlet to deliver these sources of information to, you know, people like you, man. So, yeah. Means so
0: much. How do you spell that last name? So my, you said my let. Yes. M Y L E T T. Okay, cool. Cool. I'll have to look into that. So that actually begs the question then for aspiring entrepreneurs, right? is would you say that that mentality that gratitude mentality is the most important thing for aspiring entrepreneurs or people who want
2: to be where you are? Um I believe it's a starting point. Okay. Um I believe there's a lot of people out there that are filled with gratitude, that are very happy, that have very successful, happy lives. Mm-hmm. But sometimes these these things especially if you don't have what you what you want you kind of almost settle with what you have Mm. so from an entrepreneurship standpoint um you kind of have to keep pushing yourself you have to kind of really have that vision that you have in your mind of what you can accomplish and you have to be relentless Mm. you have to pursue it with as much passion as you possibly can until it is a reality. Persistence is the one thing that really defines me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, when I was younger, uh, stubbornness was the one thing <laughs> that comes with persistence. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and say, um, your mom,
0: your mom probably thought a little bit differently about that when you were growing up, huh?
2: Oh yeah. Uh, especially having a Panamanian mother, 100% from Panama city. Okay. Ooh, you already know, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Beth. Um, persistence, um, and tenacity, to okay. be specific, really moving forward despite the obstacles that are are thrown in your path. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people that told me I couldn't do things. There was a lot of people that said, "Oh, that's not possible."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, you can't focus on fitness and be a model you can't make music you can't inspire people and you can't be a motivational speaker you can't do this you can't be all these things and be good at them and I said fuck you Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) your limitations don't define my reality yep okay you're basically just displaying what your limitations are in your mind yeah because with enough persistence and tenacity and the ability to learn, adapt, and to learn from your failures, you can go as far as you want. Yeah. You essentially said, watch me. You're just like, watch me. That was fuel in the fire.
0: Yeah. Fuel in the fire. So where do you see yourself going then, man? Like what's, I guess that's a tough question to ask a lot of people who are driving so hard to be successful. Like,
2: what is the vision that you have for yourself? Ooh, another great question. Um, as a visionary, this is something that I thought about just probably maybe 20 times a, a minute. <laughs> Fair, <laughs> you enough. Know? Fair enough. Um, it's one of those things where it's like I spent so long on my m- number one motto. If I could get tattoos, which I can't because of the whole modeling thing, I would get long-term sustainability over short-term satisfaction. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And I believe that's the one thing that prevents people from progressing in their entrepreneurship is that they look for these short-term results Mm -hmm. and they don't take action based on a long-term plan. So, you know, in order for me to get to where I am now to kind of now focus my actions on the future, I had to focus 100% on my foundation. So that's something that I spent the past eight years doing. Mm -hmm. And I did that for longevity reasons. Now, could I have moved faster in my career if I was just focusing on the short-term satisfaction? Possibly. Maybe I could have accomplished what I've accomplished now in four years, five years, who knows? But I'm so focused on the future and having this foundation and developing my own system Mm -hmm. to get me there that all my actions and all my focus is based on that future vision that I have, which is basically expressing myself, expressing my knowledge and changing lives in my own way. How I plan to do that is by simply Working on those primary three things, which basically make up Walt workout, which is fitness, yep. modeling, and music. There we go. And, and how I do that is just based on my personality and how I believe I can impact people's lives in each one of those worlds. So I see myself. Man. Man internationally um traveling all over the world Mm -hmm. working with people one-on-one not just with fitness and personal training but with mindset yeah psychology you know goal setting um and just really spreading as much of my energy as i possibly can everywhere in the fitness world but then also be a symbol um someone someone or somebody that they can look up to yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um someone that may be suffering from self-esteem issues that might be thinking oh you have to be attractive you have to be good looking to be successful in the modeling world and or you have to have a certain you know environment that you must create in order to get started to pursue your your goals and your dreams and your business that's not the case I wasn't okay. always like this. You know, yeah, yeah, I had yeah. to create this from nothing. Yeah. I wasn't waiting until the right circumstances happened. I took action. But there's a process, there's a system that I went through as a standard to create my foundation and to accomplish what I accomplished. And that system is literally this. And I'm going to share this. This is probably the most... Valuable piece of information I could give for anyone trying to accomplish anything. I'm about to say you beat me to my next question, man. Go for it. (laughs) Way ahead of you, my man. (laughs) It's a simple four-step process. Okay. You have to learn, you have to understand, you have to take action, and you have to assess. Okay. These things have to be accomplished in that order. So what most people do is they learn something and they go straight to the application and then that's it. And they expect to have a result. That's not the case. And most people go through these thought loops or these kind of like programs that they have in their mind of taking actions. like, Ooh, you know what? I really want to get ripped. Right? Mm-hmm. So my favorite Instagram model guy with ripped abs, just drop this six pack ab workout three minutes. Mm -hmm. So guess what? I'm going to do it. So the, what they learn something they apply and then guess what? Oh, well, I didn't get the results I wanted Mm -hmm. because they didn't understand the key concepts to, you know, why they were doing it. Mm -hmm. The things that he might be doing caloric deficit (laughs) uh, uh, (laughs) and things like that to get six pack abs, but then they did not even assess the action that they take as far as the failures that they made mm-hmm. the things that they did right you know ways that they can change yeah and then adapt so that they can go through this process again of learning more understanding more taking more action and then assessing again so that is the most valuable thing for me because as when i was younger i was that's just how i thought i i thought in a systematic way And I've learned over the years to optimize that system so that I can quickly and efficiently go through that system at a rapid rate. So the more you can go through this system, the more that you can accomplish and learn and grow and improve. So that is the single most valuable thing I can share with somebody. And this is something that I personally teach with my clients you know, Mm with, in the fitness world and also in a, you know, success and life coach area of my life.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, what I'm hearing from this, and I think something that, that everybody who is listening to this podcast right now can take away from you is things might not go your way right away. Right. Mm -hmm. But take away the good things, reassess, and then just go out there and do it again and just learn from your mistakes. Just keep driving and have that same level of persistence, right? Like what you were talking about earlier. Just keep persistent no matter what. And without that, I mean, yeah, of course you're going to you're gonna fail if you just give up after the first try of anything, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like um, it's, it's one of those things where I know for myself and for a lot of people that I know, um, it's easy to say it. But to internalize it is a little bit more difficult, right? Mm-hmm. So is there any, like, I'm, I'm not trying to give like a seven, like fast ways to have a good mental health or like good mentality about entrepreneurship, but like, what are the best pieces of advice you would give people who are trying to internalize that persistence? who are trying to make sure that they don't give up after failure over and over.
2: Man, you are really hitting me with the awesome questions, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I wish, you know, people ask questions like this more often because um, everyone has insight, everyone has perception. Yeah. So yeah. for me, man, I really do believe that you can expedite, you know, that process by first getting a mentor. You know, mm-hmm. getting someone who's done what you've already done, who's also taught other people how to accomplish what they accomplished so that you can kind of get inside their mind. Mm. Right. Because sometimes it's hard to kind of create something inside yourself that's not there yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, So the best thing you can do is just think the way that other people think. Right. As far as from a successful mentor who is, has the credibility and the knowledge and the, you know, the mastery in whatever you want to accomplish. Because the way they got to where they are is because of the people that influenced them and mentored them. Yeah. So that's the big thing for me that kind of pushed me to kind of look inside myself and internalize the, the kind of motivational aspect of entrepreneurship was, all right, what does this person that I look up to, how are they motivated? What got them to where they are right now? You know, what did they learn? What's their systems? Yeah. And for me, that just made things so much easier because from an educational and development standpoint because searching for information is literally like almost going to a black hole. Right. Yeah. It's vast. We don't really know the center of it. Yeah.
0: there's a lot of stuff on the internet, man. There's a lot of information out there too much.
2: And I think people become paralyzed. Mm hmm. And they just simply settle for what is in front of them, even though it's not specifically for them in particular to develop from that information, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. So the big thing with as far as from a going through that force that process, again, from a learning perspective was getting a mentor to kind of show you the roadmap so that you don't have to think and search for information. Yeah, Everything is right in front of you. All you have to do is understand it and apply it. And then guess what? Now you, you can not only assess it on your own, but now you have somebody else that can assess it. So yeah. now it's becoming a team effort because your brain is very, very powerful on its own, but two brains, a lot, yeah. can, a lot can happen.
0: That's true, man. No, I... I I definitely believe you, man. Like, I've had plenty of mentors myself. I definitely give them credit to where I am right now, right? Um, I mean, I think part of the reason I even started this podcast to begin with was to be able to to share mindsets with other people, like to talk about different subjects, to, you know, just have a, a motive to continuously go out there and talk to new people about new subjects and learn as much as I can. So I think everybody, in my opinion, at least, right? Like you can get a little bit of mentorship from so many different people out there,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? Like I just learned a bunch from you about, I like the four steps that you were talking about. I like all the ideas that you have. And um, I mean, that's why I invite you on the show, right? So it's one of those things that you watch people try and do it so consistently by themselves. And that's one of the things I learned very early on is you just, you just can't do that. You gotta, you gotta put your ego aside. You gotta put that mentality aside. You gotta go find somebody or a group of people or multitude of people to help you get where you
2: want to be. Yeah. One of the, I'd say one of the words that resonates with me the most is humble confidence. Yeah. Um, you know, just growing up in an environment, New Jersey, you know, Mm -hmm. everyone has an ego. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you didn't have an ego, it was a sign of weakness, actually. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it took a lot for me to kind of humble myself. And the way that I did it was through failure. Mm. I looked for every opportunity I can to fail. Yeah. Most people are afraid of it. I look for it, I prepare for it,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I strategize to overcome it Hmm. and that's the one thing that humbled me the most is when you get constantly getting humbled like this over and over and over again you eventually become humble Hmm. but you also have to have confidence in yourself and what you can accomplish at the same time yeah and that's why humble confidence for me is that one thing that really defines me is i walk that line between confidence and cockiness many, many, many times. Yeah. Yeah. But I look for every opportunity where I can back it up, take action, prove myself, fail. I'm not afraid of it. And I think that's the one big thing that everyone, you know, especially everyone who's listening right now, if you want to accomplish anything in life, whether it's starting up a business, changing people's lives, changing the people around you, you have to have confidence in yourself and you have to be willing and open to fail. Mm -hmm. Failure is part of the process and is the only way to become better. So take every opportunity for for yourself to fail, but also seek guidance so that you can prevent the failures or the simple failures that are kind of stopping you from progressing, you know, the tedious things.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. We're going to need to create a new term for that, man. Humble confidence Combine it into one word confidence. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll workshop the name, but we'll uh, we'll get there. Yeah. I'm going to say we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, Well, Hey man, I mean, I don't really have anything more right now, but I, I appreciate the hell out of your time, dude. Um, I think that once again, keep killing it, doing what you're doing. I, uh, I, I really, I love seeing entrepreneurs like you get out there and get after it consistently. Um, I think that the stuff that your mindset promotes and what you've been promoting to other people will continue to help a lot going forward. Um, and I'm excited to see what you can do in reaching so many different people and so many different platforms. Um, so I mean, thank you again. Look forward to, I'll probably be having you on the it's show again problem, sometime. Man. Yeah, of course, dude.
2: Man, I just want to say something real quick, um, you know, especially to your listeners. You know, you were a a bright light in my life, you know, working at 24-Hour Fitness with you. You know, it's just you have this this energy that is, you know, positive and it's contagious. And you are smart as fuck, man. You are... <laughs> You have so much insight and wisdom just about the world and and everything, and I feel like you know the people who listen to your podcast will get so much value and I just hope that they you know listen to your podcasts um listen to your insight and just really just you know listen to the person that you are and apply you know what you talk about with your guests and what you talk about you know, with them personally so Again, Dude, thank you so much for getting me on here, man.
0: Yeah, of course, man. Hey, I appreciate that so much. That that hit right at the heartstrings, man. <laughs> but I say, get hit me in the feels right before we're calling this quits. All right.
2: I know. Right, I know we we should we should do this again, man. Talk about other things. You know, I'm 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 a I'm an open book, so.
0: We got more subjects, man. All right. Hey, thank you again. Talk to you soon, brother. All right, bro. All right. And we are back so we are going to hit the segment of the week now this segment is given to us by my guy Carlos quick shout out to him and Carlos was asking about our first memory with sports so the way that I interpreted this was it's not just playing sports but like just sports in general so Dorian go ahead and Let's just get right into it, man. Like, what's your first big memory with sports, and why is that even important for you?
1: Got to say, my first memory, and this is this is as playing sports, um, and honestly, it's still still my first memory. I don't remember watching sports before; I remember playing them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it's definitely from um, t-ball. I had to be probably six maybe seven years old at the time. And for my T ball team, my um number one, my my mom is Dominican, so super into baseball. And like mm-hmm. was always against me playing like football or anything like that. But baseball from like as early as possible. She was trying to get me started in. Um mm-hmm. and my dad also played baseball. So it was I guess super easy for decision for them to put me as a, you know, six year old into baseball. But my dad was the coach. And my uncle was the assistant coach. Um, okay. So that's definitely my earliest memory. <laughs> and a lot of the times it was, um, number one, I remember just kind of having to do everything a little bit more than everyone else. You know, we're playing T ball. And my mom's like, you're not using the tee. So I had to like, you know, <laughs> I'm spending extra time after practice, like just taking pitches from my dad and batting, you know, when the actual games were being played, you got half the kids at that age, like just playing in the sand in the infield. Uh-huh. I even looked around and started kicking dirt. I just look in the stands and my mom would just be staring at me. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I be like, nope, you're playing baseball. So, like, for me, that's easily my uh, earliest memory in sports. And a lot of it was just, like, remember everybody yeah. else is kind of playing around and having fun. And my, my mom is just, like, not having any of that. just you're here to play baseball.
0: Yeah. I was about to say she was dialed in. She was more dialed in than you were.
1: She was, she got me dialed in.
0: There you go. Yeah. It's actually, it's interesting. My first sports memory is baseball related too, even though it's not a sport that I played a lot as well. Like it was actually going to a Mariners game with my mom and my dad. And that was actually where I got. Yeah, dude. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, so I, I went to the Kingdom. I was like, oh, I had to have been like three or four at, at the time. Not even sure. But more importantly, maybe the most important thing was that was where I got my first jersey. And Dorian, I will give you two guesses as to
1: who my first Mariners and first ever jersey was. Well, I'm, I'm going to put one guess out there. And if it's not this, you got the wrong jersey. Okay, Ken Griffey Jr.
0: Of course it was. Of course, of course it was. It was every kid in Seattle's first jersey. Oh my God, dude, Griffey. Like, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like I say this being like one of, you know, every single kid in Seattle when they were growing up. But like Ken Griffey was my guy.
1: Like everybody loved Griffey in Seattle. Well, it's like Um, you know the way people look at LeBron and Michael Jordan. That is what Griffey was to Seattle kids our age. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, dude, and the the
0: craziest part about it is that like i don't think people because they're not really familiar with the northwest especially that was way back before the technology boom like yeah oh, we yeah. had microsoft but we didn't nearly have the same amount of attention and like actual you know like seattle wasn't really that big
1: as At far that point, as seattle was just grunge music
0: <laughs> yeah exactly 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 um and so like for us growing up in Seattle, yeah, I would say Michael Jordan, Griffey was our Jordan. He was the Seattle. That's leader. what I remember it. Yeah, he was. He was loved by literally everybody. I don't know if I ever hear somebody in the city of Seattle say they hate Ken Griffey Jr. That's not I was about to say I don't know. I don't even know how I would react. I don't think it would happen.
1: Not anybody who is. Alive and around in that area.
0: It's like born in, or yeah, exactly. Born or raised in Seattle during that time. It just, it it wouldn't be a word that would come out of their mouth or a phrase. No, but it was, it was actually interesting. The reason that was so, and this is where it's going to get a little sappy. So the reason that memory was so significant to me right away was that is one of the few distinctive family outings I remember as a kid. And like, I grew up, Parents were divorced when I was really young. So, like, anything for me where it was the entire family together, at least that's how I remember it, was, like, something that stands out pretty, you know, pretty distinctly. Um, As far as playing, though, first thing that I remember is being thrown in as a goalkeeper in soccer in middle school. And although those – I, like – vaguely remember other times of playing different sports right like I had a bunch of different things but this was like the most distinct memory it was because that shaped my entire soccer career going forward like I had never played keeper they like something happened where like they needed me to come in and play goalie I don't remember what it was exactly the kid may have just not shown up to the game There, like something happened they threw me some gloves said get in goal and your boy just went out there trotted on out and did his thing and i actually ended up having a really good game and from that point on i started playing goalkeeper right like right for anybody that knows me like i played i played club um all through high school um played for my varsity team at ballard high school uh i got pulled up my sophomore year for a little bit but junior senior as a keeper so like Like when it came to like defining myself with sports, like that moment was arguably one of the most like important things to me in my entire life. Like, dude, I spent so much time practicing being the best possible goalie that I could be when I was younger. Like, like uh, your mom wasn't there, but she might as well. (laughs) The way that, the way that I was kicking my own ass dude, the way I was, I was forcing myself to like, I was going out to the fields, when the lights were getting turned off, dude, I was out all night. Um, I, it, was, it was legit, man. And I, I don't know. I think I really like this, this segment for – and we were talking about this earlier because to me, like, sports has always just meant so much more than the surface level of just, like, playing a game. I've, I've learned so many different life lessons from sports themselves. I don't know about you.
1: No, yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, the, the crazy thing about sports and just being on a team with people is you get so many people from so many different walks of life and so many different backgrounds, right? So you, yeah. from a young age, you're like interacting with people who just have a very different life than you. And I think being introduced to that and getting to know people from different backgrounds is super useful to your growth just as a human. Like yeah. I feel like a lot of the issues that exist with our society with kind of hate towards groups, it's just mm-hmm. because you've never, you've never had an opportunity to be around that. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of turn this into this big, big, bad monster when the reality is you just don't know. anyone, Right. And I, yeah. I think that's kind of a human factor, right? Fear of the unknown. And I think that's, no, that's one of the big things for me, at least, being on a team um, growing up just just really shows you, like, you make a lot of different friends. You're doing sleepovers at, like, you know, you've got customs going on at houses that you've never experienced before.
0: Um, yeah, Yep. exactly. And that's the thing, too, is that, like, it also bridges such a socioeconomic gap as well, too, right?
2: Because right. I don't know about
0: you, but I had some teammates that their parents were very wealthy. And when we would go to their house, I would step inside and I would be like, and my, my family was well off. Like I've always been very lucky myself. I would step in their house and I'd be like, like Oh my God, where am I? It sounds like mansion. some,
1: some, uh, North Seattle club sports.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was about to say, it's, I feel like my, my, uh, my North Seattle is really showing right now. My ballot is showing, <laughs> but, but yeah, man, it was, no, I totally agree though. Is I, like, I got accustomed to being around so many different groups of people um, as far as, you know, culturally, um, socioeconomically, like, just all different types of people. Matter of fact, like, I would say my social circles growing up revolved around
1: sports. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's, like, how you make all your first friends. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Like, all my friends, we all played, pretty much all of us played soccer together growing up. Like we all, we were all on the same soccer team and like, we ended up playing like middle school or like even elementary school, middle school, high school, all of it together. And, and yeah, dude, I think that's where, so a lot of people, you know, it seems easy to say like sports is, you know, we, us not having sports right now. Right. It's easy to say, Oh, quit whining. It's just a game. It's not huge. It's not that big of a deal. It's like, no, 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 no. I I strongly disagree. I think that sports is arguably one of the biggest deals that we have continuously. Um, I think that it's one of the, it's the grand unifier. I mean, I think I'm almost completely certain there is a 30 for 30 documentary exactly commenting on that specific subject is how sports might be one of the most unifying things that we have out there.
1: Right. And I, I think that is such a truthful statement too, because I was gonna say, you know, you talk about the benefit of sports once you're not playing sports anymore. And it's just mm-hmm. the fact that it truly just brings people together. I, I think back to, you know, even January, I went down to the Rose Bowl for the, you know, Oregon game and just yeah, everybody was so kind. Right? I've never met people, they're like, Oh, come by the tailgate, have a hot dog. Like everyone's just so inviting and it's there's no There's nothing else that happens really in society that really just, you know, you're inviting a stranger over to eat your food and like have some drinks with you. Mm -hmm. You're just a fan of the same team as me. And that that's enough to be, you know, incredibly inviting to you and have you amongst my friends and family. Exactly. Exactly. That's,
0: I I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself is that you like, there's almost no at least in my mind right away off the top of my head, there's very few things in life that is so like small, like just being the fan of the same team, right? That's all you know about each other is that you're just a fan of the same team, but I don't give a fuck. You're coming to my tailgate. You're going to have a drink with me because you're a fan of that same team
1: and you could be homeless for all I care. It doesn't matter. Well, and, and obviously the real great part about it. Um, and the, you know, less inspiring side of it is just how passionate people get and joy and anger. It's great. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, exactly. It's, it's like, and I think it's funny. I've actually like on that same topic, I've made a lot of friends because they were fans of teams that I did not like.
1: Right. So true.
0: Yeah. Like just that, that mutual, like respect that hateful respect right for each other's teams was enough for me to like build up a relationship with somebody for sure you just you just don't get like you don't get that with many things in life um and I think that I think that's why it's like honestly one of the things that has made this this quarantine so difficult is that like there's just there's just not sports
1: right there's it's it's made it really hard I mean you know, we, we had the draft going on this weekend, and I typically am not a big proponent or fan of the draft. I'm a fan of the Seahawks. They typically don't pick it early or often. And uh, obviously nope. that was a, that was a little different this year. But, you know, I was all in on the draft just to get some kind of feel for that that sports, you know, to have that in your life again. It's like, oh, man, something exciting is actually happening again.
0: Exactly. And it was – and speaking of unifying, it was enough for us, the draft just itself was enough for us to decide we want to do a Zoom call with a bunch of people and all just hang out and watch the draft virtually. Probably right? the most fun I've had watching the draft. Too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, hey, Doro, uh, I think we gotta we got to call it. So thank you, everybody, for listening in today. Once again, appreciate your consistency um you know honestly i'm still trying to figure out a good sign off on this so one day i'll figure it out one day i'll get there but thank you all for listening have a good day love you all take care